Thank you for downloading the podcast of the local paper review with a Romford recorder and Time 107.5. It's a Friday, so it's our local paper review. Uh, today, joined by Chris Carter from the Romford recorder and Laura Burnett from the Ilford recorder talking local news at me. How Before you get into the news, how are you two? Uh, so Chris, how are you first of Yeah, all? good, yes. Well, it's election week. Exciting. Are you, you excited, Steve? I got over it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, non-stop coverage and, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much uh, through it now. I mean, I just want to know the, the London mayoral one already. Come on. How, how, why does it take so long to count, folks? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's quite a long time, isn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, midnight tonight, I think it is. So that, check out the Rump Recorder website or the Offer Recorder website and you will possibly it find is. out. Yeah, nice. That's a good, that's <laughs> a good just, place to I've get just uh, made sure that one of my staff has to sit up till 12 o'clock at that. Right. In that case, we should make sure that people uh, pay attention to their work. If they're putting the effort in, that's fair mm-hmm. play. Did you know, here's another fact. It's the longest gap between voting and results being given other than when Dermot does X Factor. Wow! Laura, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Been um, going glad on to be world. back. It's been a while, isn't it? What's yeah? Why have you been? I'm taking it personally. Why have you not been here for the? I mean, I've not been here for two of them recently, but <laughs> just been working hard. Just couldn't drag myself away from the office for Chained an afternoon. To the desk. So, yeah. yeah. How's the uh, How's the new building working out for you? Yeah, it's okay. They fixed the heating, which was a very stressful t- uh, period of time for everyone involved. Um, <laughs> so it's now, it's now um, yeah, more suitable working conditions. That's very nice. We've got a lovely view of the sunshine. Um, Is your view better than my time. view? And let's just turn around to look at my view. Laurie Walk of the Liberty Shopping Centre. Pound shop over there. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough, tough exactly. decision there. But um, yeah, no, we've got a pretty good view. Okay, let's delve into the new stories. What's story num- uh, number one today? So story number one is in uh, in the rough recorded this week, and it's um, about basically how many homes that have been approved to be built this, this year so far. Um, there's been applications for 353, um, and the council only approved 37. That's which a small is, um, number. Yeah, a small number, and it's drawn a, quite a... A lot of criticism from the estate agents in the area. One guy uh, says that it's uh, it's led to an immoral shortfall. And he was uh, he was kind of saying if that was the same in London, you know, it would you know really sort of exacerbate the uh, problems that there oh, are. Yeah. He said the capital's in crisis, which, to be honest, is, we know anyway when it comes to housing. Yeah, although so uh, three hundred and something, and then thirty something. So that additional ninety percent, um, even if they were approved. A small drop in the ocean in terms of the number of homes needed, though. So it's still in crisis, even if they were all approved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, to be fair, uh, to put it into context, um, of those 353, I think 290 or one is one plan on the St. George's site in Hornchurch, which yeah. which has been sort of, I think it's possibly the third application, possibly the second. First application has been turned down, and there's another application that's coming in. It's going to be homes and also a health Centre, so it's going to right. be a sort of a big sort of multiplex so site. So the the refusal of that uh, planning application wasn't like a solid refusal; it gets to be reapplied. So in a sense, the new story is most of the homes have been delayed rather than yes, not built. Yes, yes, that's probably true. Um, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I saw there. I think it was a letter this week talking about um, certainly a comment talking about health and saying how. There's a problem with um, health capacity, and here we are with a, um, a hospital site in Hornchurch, which they're going to turn over to housing. And if there's a problem with health capacity, why are we turning a, yeah. you know, getting rid of a hospital site? Why don't we? This person was saying, why don't we use that for um, for for hospitals? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
But that, that, that plan is something to do with, is it not respecting the, the green belt? I can't remember the actual phrase. It was something about affecting the green belt, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, it is to do with the... Yeah, that's right. It is to do with the green belt. Yeah, so... Here's my controversial thing. I know it's very in to love the green belt, right? But every building that you ever use and love was built on something that was once green belt. This entire nation was just built with fields, and if you love, you know, which but your favourite cinema, that cinema was built in a place that used to be fields. At some point, as development moves on, field has to jog on. That's yep. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but you have to get to a stage where you say, okay, we have built on so much green belt. If we build on any more green belt, there won't be any green. So, so we do need to have restrictions. Surely. When was the last time you flew out of this this beautiful nation? Mm, about a month ago, probably. Right. Did you look out the window? Is it's you... quite green, isn't it's it? It's very green. It is very it's green. non-stop green. And the little bits of non-green bits. It doesn't really seem like that when you're sitting on the A127 or the A12 uh, in traffic. It doesn't seem particularly green, does it? No. It seems because, there's yeah. a lot of people around and, and it's quite built up. Certainly in this area, I think it is quite built up, but... That's, um, a little bit of green belt. Say goodbye to some green belt. Uh, Laura, you might be walking with me on this one. So let's end the green belt. Hashtag end the green belt. It's taking up too much space. What are your thoughts? Well, from what I understand about the green belt is that the concept um, it sort of I think dates back to about the 1930s. Um, so I certainly think it's it's something that needs to be looked at. But obviously, we don't want to just have no green spaces, no open spaces. Um, you know, no no. Uh, parks, you know, no, no, um, kind of playing pitches. It's very topical um, in Redbridge. Um, so I, I, I suppose maybe it makes more sense to kind of expand around the edges, around the boroughs that have got more green space, than to just to to say no, we're not going to we're not going to build any more homes here, and we're going to concentrate them all on the inner boroughs, and then you end up with. I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but it's it it certainly seems like. We can't just say that's green belt. That's been green belt for the past eighty years, so we're never going to build on it because yeah. it's just that's some not how point, it works. Is it really? give. If we're going to live in the future that you see in films like Minority Report, then we're going to have to build a lot more. Uh, we're going to have to cover some green because there's not a lot of green there. <laughs> in the future, I think you'll find high-speed cars. We're already we're getting close. When they can drive themselves, we are halfway there towards. It's more of an iRobot thing, uh, but there's not a lot of greenery in the future. I've seen it in the films. Mm. I mean, that might not have, not have been documentaries. <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. I've read Brave New World as well, so... <laughs> oh, and while you're talking of housing in the Romford Recorder, I believe there might be... It's so It's rare for me to so early be talking about uh, the newspaper column. I think you might have a newspaper column in there that mentions something to do with uh, the, the bank of mum and dad and how rich people get houses oh, before poor people. Yeah, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Is that something? Is it quite far back? It's yeah. probably on one of the yeah. one of the pages that no one well, gets to. It's forty seven the other week by Beth White. I, yeah, sorry, she I, is I, Beth. Name her again, poor Beth. But this week, Steve, you are yeah. on page four. Why? Thank you. Do you know earlier on I was in Hornchurch and uh, while my friend was pay, uh, paying for something, I was stood by the the local paper stand, turning a few of them onto page four and just standing next to it, just going, "Anyone looking?" No one. Be sort of holding it up, saying, "Look, yeah. look, look, look." No one recognised me. Like Alan Partridge. Yeah, very much like that. Um, so story number two. Let's have a little tea. What are we talking about on the way next? Uh, story number two, we're going to catch up on our Mind Your Mental Health campaign. It's the local paper review with Chris Carter and Laura Burnip joining me in the studio. Yo! Yo! It's me being down and down with it in groovy and, and street. I don't know if you noticed. Um, so story number two, what's, what's story two that we're going to deal with? 
So this is um, another story which is part of the Rumford Recorders Mind Your Mental Health campaign, which is to raise awareness and smash the stigma of uh, mental illness. And we've got a fantastic um, lady called Anne Pullen, who has very bravely spoken to Emma Lake, the news editor, about her experiences with bipolar disorder. So Anne was diagnosed with the condition in 1982, and she says that her and her husband, Christopher, basically had knew nothing about mental illness, was completely out of the blue. Um, and she'd just been experiencing um, uh, the kind of um, manic highs and incredibly difficult lows which come with the condition. And she's spoken about her experiences with it, what it's like to live with the condition. But it's actually got a sort of happy ending to this story because Anne, Anne says that she um, now she's on the right medication she actually hasn't relapsed I think for 11 years oh, which really? is which is brilliant and it comes back to this um, sort of idea of smashing stigma that actually you know if you've got a mental illness you can get treatment and you know you can go on you know it's not the end of the world you you, you just need to sort of get the right help and get the right support so um, so it's a great story and she's as I said she's she's talked about some of the experiences that she's um, you know, she's gone through and how it's kind of affected her family as well mm. and through this um, Anne and Christopher set up uh, their own support group um, I think so they live in Collier Row I think it's I think it's for the you know for anyone in Havering who wants to go along and she says that what's really great about the group is that they don't just sit and talk about the illness itself they you know it's it's just that comfort of sitting with people who you know have gone through the same experiences and you know it's, it's really really positive actually it's really fantastic so yeah it's good that you've got that uh, the positive end to the story that because that is the thing that that's Stephen Fry talks about that doesn't he and the fact mm. that that sometimes and, and I've got other like comedian friends who we've talked about this you know it's a bit a bit of a um, a down subject. You imagine when comedians get together, and it's, all, it's all hair. It's not at all. Um, that there are there are certain traits of of the of a bipolar disorder that that you almost feel that is part of your creative process. And like Stephen Fry says, that you worry about trying to have it solved because you want to get rid of the downside, but without the upside, without those times of of feverishly creating stuff that you have no idea where it comes from, you worry that you're going to lose the only thing that pays the mortgage. Mm. Um, so it's an interesting. That in a sense, not all of these issues are all bad, if you know what I'm saying. That by having something that you can identify as, you know, you have a condition, doesn't necessarily mean that all conditions are all totally bad all of the time. Absolutely. I and mean, it's with something like this, it's obviously it's controlling having a balance where mm. you can balance between the highs and the lows. And that, and that's clearly what the medication's done for Anne here. Um, and as 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 Laura says, it's a, it's, a, it's a really positive story. And that's what we're trying to get across in our uh, campaign is that, you know, even if you do have a mental illness, you can sort of get through it and you can lead a, fairly norm, a pretty normal life. I mean, I think Anne, there's a great quote at the end. She says, my life's great now, thanks to my lovely family. You know, and it's, mm. it's, it's a really nice message, really. And hopefully um, we are getting a huge response to the campaign. Uh, people um, really keen to share their stories. Um, um, we want more and more people to uh, to pledge. Yeah, you're so, hitting social media hard with this as well. Aren't you? This is a good social media thing for you. Definitely, yeah. The, the Tell pledge, us about that. The pledge is online. We, we want people to pledge to uh, obviously to to end the stigma of mental health, and and all of the message that have been online. It's not they're not just sort of pledged for that. They've sort of told their story as well. So it's um it, it's it, I'm really pleased with it, and my team's been working very hard with mm-hmm. Havering Mind. 
to, to, to sort of make it work. I know and what's the some... selfie thing? People, there's people with pictures. Oh, I mind. Hashtag I mind. Yeah. All right. So if you can make yourself a sign, tweet it with that picture, with that hashtag, I guess makes more sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah you think cool. So yeah. So um, so there'll be other stories, I'm sure. And we we are uh, we we've got a whole plan for the year for the campaign, and we'll be dealing with lots of other issues. I know it's um, it's dementia week coming up soon in the next couple of weeks, so we will be looking at um, that as well from from a mental health perspective. And um, while we were mentioning dementia, I, I think every single time we've talked about it, I've always been because of the situation in my family, very negative about just thinking this is the future that we're all going to be we're living longer, but we're not paying attention to the state of our minds so we're all going to end up having some form of dementia and I, I you know I, I was doomsdaying the rest of this you know, left right and centre and then the research that came out it's probably two weeks ago now about the fact that the increase in dementia rates is less than people expected yeah that's right because yeah. they just they just did the simple maths of like how many get it now how longer are we going to be living times it up and they forgot to take out the factor of the healthier living and so the rates of dementia in men has dropped it's not dropped. The increase was so much lower than they thought it was going to be yeah. because we're just as men were terrible for smoking and bad diets, and we've stopped doing that as much. And it's just it just goes to show that if you do start looking after yourself, which is not anything that any of us enjoy. Oh, I hate the <laughs> salad. What's the point of a salad? That's not food. <laughs> that is that is shrubbery. But if you eat that, then you stand a good chance of you know not having the future. And if you spend time with in places where people have dementia, you realise that maybe the salad is definitely the better option. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then there are lots of advances. I think I saw something on the TV the other week about they were they had uh, mice. It was an experiment they did with mice where they had an older mice who. He had to go and find food in a hole or something, and he went. To, yeah. He went, and, and he found it eventually. And then when they put him in again, he'd forgotten where it was. Right. So then they put a younger mice in, and the mice knew after the second time he knew exactly where to go. So apparently they injected something from the the younger mice into the into the older mi- mouse. Really, and the older mouse went straight to the hole. So, and they're looking at the possibility of doing this with humans. So. There are advances that are coming, yeah. you know, with things like dementia and obviously even things like bipolar, going back to the bipolar, there's a lot more understanding of how it works. They've even renamed it now, haven't they? It used to be manic depression, which yeah. seemed to have a bit of a negative... Um, Although, have we gone through the cycle on that, where now the phrase bipolar has gained the negative connotation? It's a little bit, hasn't it, yeah. I think? Yeah, I think with these things, I think... They always seem to eventually get some sort of negative connotation, don't they? But yeah. um, but I think it is. I think this is quite positive. Yeah, I think that's probably more to do with um, you know stigma around mental illnesses rather than what we call it. It's like a lot of things, mm. you know. Doesn't really matter what you call it to some extent. It's more to do with the attitudes. But um, and that's the thing that needs to change. Although I, well, I'm, I'm probably not going to help the attitude by probably becoming a Bond villain and working out how to extract this thing from young people so I can live longer <laughs> and be cleverer. You're not from people, from mice. Yeah. I'm going to try it on people. Get yeah. some mice. Yeah, I'll sounds, try mice first. Well, well, no, I'll try it on mice and I'll be great through a maze. You put some cheese in a maze. <laughs> boom, I'm there. It is a good point, though. I mean, there's so many advances taking place. You read about different things, you know, with all sorts of um, conditions that may have only been diagnosed. 50, 80 years ago. Um, it's moving at such a pace that fingers crossed. Yeah. But it's a combination of things, isn't it? It's obviously advances in medicine, but also in us knowing what's good for us and how to sort of lead better, yeah. more healthier lives. But 
I'm, my view is to a certain extent that a little of what you fancy is quite nice, you know, really, isn't That's, it? Yeah, no one wants to live forever if he's miserable. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the idea of uh, not knowing that things used to be bad for us, I did a bit... Remember when Sugar Tax was one of the news stories? On, on this show, we did a bit about... Um, Trying to like ban sugar, I, I compared it to banning arsenic because in the, back in the day, arsenic was a thing that you were given. You know, like it's good for you, you get a bit of arsenic, don't you? And I said there must have been a crossover time when there would have been some radio presenter doing a phone in about banning arsenic and people would be pushing against it. When was arsenic good for you? In the 1700s. <laughs> Not for what? Before well, radio was. Well, good. to be honest with you, I think it's not that long ago that that they actually thought that cigarettes were yeah. quite, you know, I know with the troops in probably the First World War and they used to give them that sort of, you know, cheer them up and that sort of thing and they and they did think it was quite a good thing to have a cigarette and that yeah. sort of thing. So it was only in the, what was it, 50s, 60s or maybe a bit before that they realised that they weren't so good for you. But That's true. They never do that because we're just saying like when you flip forward to the future, there won't be any green belt left, we'll have high-speed cars. <laughs> but actually, if you do travel forward in the future, everyone's just eating salad because everything else <laughs> is bad for you. No, we'll have those little tablets, I mean, all our food will just be a tablet. <laughs> Speed, to the sci-fi that I've I've seen, yeah, I've seen those programs, Steve. Yeah, I bet you, I'm, I bet you're only meant to have one of those tablets a day. I probably have two because I can't help myself. <laughs> Got no willpower. Uh, right, story number three on the way. What are we dealing with? We're going to talk about Millie the Faithful Hound. Good afternoon, I'm Stephen Allen on a Friday, looking through the papers in our local paper review, joined by Chris Carter and Laura Burnett. And story number three awaits. What's story number three? Story number three, Steve, is on page three of the Romford Recorder. And it's a very sad story about uh, Millie the Faithful Hound. Oh, yeah. Who um, has spent a lot of her, of her time volunteering to go into... Um, uh, children's walls and pupil referral units with her owner. The dog volunteered? Yeah, the dog volunteered. Did it get a choice in this? Are we sure about the, the nature of volunteering? I'm sure it did. I'm sure it would have, if it hadn't have wanted to do it, it would have told its owner. I suppose, good point, yeah. But Millie's, um, yeah, Millie's was died at the age of 16 and she spent a lot of her time, as I say, going into sort of children's wards as a pet dog, which is uh, pets, pets are therapy, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, pets as therapy, I think it is. And, you know, just basically cheering the kids up and oh, yeah. it's a really good contact. And I've got a really nice quote actually from someone that um, she met Millie at the Havering Tuition Centre, um, which is a pupil referral unit. And she says that um, she really helped me and some of the other people to overcome our anxiety, not only about about dogs, but in other ways too. She says she was so gentle and very calming influence, which which is great, isn't it? I think... You know, dogs do sort of perform that sort of role, really, don't they, where they can calm people down. I know they also use them in old people's homes as well to, you know, when when you've got, you know, lonely people as well. It's great to have a dog to come in. Mm. It's it's sort of unconditional love, isn't it? So, So my dad's got a dog. It's kind of half uh, Jack Russell, half... Oh, I can't remember the other half now. Anyway, so it's kind of Jack Russellish shape and size. Mm. <laughs> and um, whenever we, because Dad can't really walk up because my mum's in this old people's home, but it's only a ten minute walk away from where my dad is. But it's a bit too far for him. But whenever I'm up there, we can take the dog up. And it's so great that the dog remembers mum straight away. And even though she just kind of, you know, mum sits there in the yeah. chair, not doing much, the dog always. Uh, the dog's called Jenny, manages to get herself down between the arm of the chair and anyone's leg. And she just looks, sits on mum's lap, sinks yeah. in there, and just will just sit there perfectly happy. Yeah. And it is just such a nice, relaxed vibe that dogs just have that. They Absolutely. just change the mood of the place, don't they? And if you've got a dog, if any, if there's any dads out there that have got a dog, are you walking, you know, after work, you know, the hard day's work, hello, everyone, and... I don't know, the kids are on their computers and you get a grunt and the dog comes running and it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter what you've 
done during the day that dog remembers you and comes running and greets yeah. you and that's my friend in my house and that's it really so. <laughs> at least someone pays you attention exactly yeah, yeah. there's no. also a cat there as well in mum's care home that doesn't really care no <laughs> if ever you want an animal that does not no, care about your illness to care, no. i think we might have said this in one of the newspaper reviews before about how dogs can sense illness yep and I think cats can, but they just don't want to tell you because <laughs> they they got nothing in it for them. Oh, good luck. Yeah, there was that. that thing I think I saw another bit like the mice experiment, the mouse experiment. Where the, the, they were, was it something to do with cancer? Wasn't it where they yeah dogs they can actually smell, yeah. identify cancer? And there's, there was a whole program on it a while ago where uh, a woman was saying that her dog was was agitated around her, and she went and eventually went to the doctor, and she had breast cancer. I think it was so. Yeah. So they really are sort of um, our, our best friend, really, aren't they, I think, yeah. in many ways. And this whole thing about um, uh, pets being used in, in therapy, there is there is something, especially with dogs, I mean, I'm not dissing cats at all, but dogs have been with us for long enough that it, it's, it's not part of our evolution, it's not long enough, but there's something about how we have developed that we you do have a bond with a dog, unless you're one of those people who doesn't like dogs, but those who do, there is just that kind of natural connection. Yeah. They've been with us for so long since they've been, you know, the wolves followed us around just to get scraps of food. <laughs> well, we've developed them, haven't we? You know, we've, all the different breeds have been yeah. have been bred to help us, haven't they? You know, the, the dogs that help us with hunting and all the various other things that the, the dogs help us to do. So, yeah, we, poodles, we, poodles were some kind of swimming thing, weren't they? Yeah. They're really good at swimming because I don't know what we were hunting in the water, but everyone thinks that a poodle is just a show dog, but they were working dogs. Yeah, well. yeah, I think most dogs are working dogs in some way. Yeah. How was the sausage dog a working dog? <laughs> what, what was its job? Yeah, lie Door down stop. there. Give me a draft excluder, yeah. Quite good in tunnels or something. It's crawling along. It's a long tunnel. Yeah, like, uh, like John McClane in Die Hard. That's, oh, that's yeah. what your, your dog's for. Have you got uh, any pets, Laura? Oh, I haven't. We've talked about this on the way here. But it's, I rent and I haven't got a garden, so... But I would like to get a dog yeah. when I get when I get a proper house, if that ever happens. Maybe someone will give me a mortgage, me and Top Cat. <laughs> <laughs> and you can um, read more about that in the newspaper column, page four. Column. I just realised that was probably quite an obscure uh, reference for the, for the listeners. But yeah, it's just true that dogs, I think they, they just know what to do. You know, when if you're... If you're sad or if you're ill and they just they come up and they just put their head, you know, on your on your thigh yeah. and they just immediately just make you feel comforted and I think that's kind of the experience that people had with Millie. Um that she just 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 helped them, just comforted them. Yeah. It's quite interesting about comforting the um, her owner, um who is I'm trying to find Julie. Her owner Julie says that she's had so many messages of support about over Millie's death that she feels comforted as well. So that's oh, quite that's nice. nice. It's sort of, yeah, it sort of goes round. Dogs really do kind of bring us together. It's such a shame that she's passed away because I've interviewed I think it's two or three dogs on the show now. Um, I'd be willing to because you know famous dogs always yeah. welcome to be interviewed here. We did through April. We did uh, Animal Wednesdays and I interviewed. Snakes. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say I thought it was a snake last time, Steve, yeah, wasn't it? You, you, gross. I understand you quite like that. It was I I was very impressed by the uh, the the boa I was impressed by. The grass snake or whatever that one, no a corn snake or something. Yeah. Pfft, looks a bit iffy, did it? Yeah, it looks a bit iffy. It wasn't comforting. That was <laughs> you imagine that in a care home. <laughs> I brought a snake. Oh, oh no, they do. They, they do. do take them in. We've yeah, done yeah. stories about it before. Yeah, like, they take par- Paradise Wildlife yeah, yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah. Please don't take one into where my mum is. <laughs> I'm not very happy about that. That's a bit scary. I must admit, sometimes you see the pictures that when we when we send a photographer in and there's like a frog or something and, <laughs> and 
an elderly person sort of holding this frog looking to say what why have I got what is this (laughs) what have I done to deserve this the standard of food in this place (laughs) I see okay Um, right right. so thank you very much for coming along and doing the uh, the newspaper review what else are we plugging what's coming up in the newspapers what's in this one well, we have we still have our petrol offer, Steve. I don't know yeah. if you've um, you've redeemed your voucher. I yet. have not yet redeemed my voucher. Four P offers petrol stations all over all the boroughs that we serve and outside as well. So well, okay. we still have that and a huge paper this week. And of course, we also have uh, a West Ham supplement because I don't. You obviously are not football fans. You may True. not know, but <laughs> West Ham are, are leaving their grounds for the Olympic Stadium. Right and. Um, we have a big supplement coming up in the next week or two, I think it is, um, for all the West Ham fans. So look out for that. Exciting times for them. Excellent stuff. Yep. And there'll be a podcast at romforrecorder.co.uk. The uh, newspaper columns on page four, uh, which is about, as you say, Top Cat and also the Bank of Mum and Dad. And, uh, and we'll speak to you again next week. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the local paper review podcast. You can hear the next one live Fridays, 2 p.m. on Time 107.5.